Welcome back. You are listening to Three Makes Baby with me, your host, Jana Rupnow, the author of Three Makes Baby and a fertility counselor specializing in alternate family building. If you've been listening for a while, then you know I interview parents that are struggling with infertility and donor-conceived adults talking about their experience being donor-conceived. But before I start that interview, I want to tell you about one more announcement that I've been working on, and that is the Three Makes Baby audiobook. It is now in audio format. You've been asking for this for a long time, and I just have to say thank you so much for your patience. Some of you other have reached out to me and, and asked when this was going to be available, and, and I just, I've been working for you. I want, I want you to know that. And uh, these things always take longer than you expect, but it will be available on various platforms in May. So just around the corner after Donor Conception Awareness Day, you look for some giveaways and some discount codes for the audiobook, Three Makes Baby, How to Parent Your Donor Conceived Child. Welcome, everyone. I have a guest today on the show that is going to tell you a lot of good information. I will have to say, first of all, her name is B. Well, she goes by B, and she is has started a, I guess, a profile right on Instagram called Inconceivable. And her and I have been like we've been talking for hours. <laughs> we have been talking for hours, Can't, haven't we? We can, talk, we can probably talk for hours. Yep. <laughs> There's just a frankness and an honesty and authenticity that I really appreciate. What I want you to hear is her story because she has this incredible story that you can see both sides of the, of the picture and of the the topic we're talking about, which is donor conception and infertility, what this podcast is about, and building family in non-traditional ways, uh, whether it's through donor conception or adoption or surrogacy. I, I finally got to meet you and talk to you because of this donor conception awareness day, which is exactly the point is like, I want starting this day was about connecting and making sure we come together to like make a difference in this field. And we can't do that if we're all fragmented. So it's like, how do we come together? How do we meet each other? How do we start talking and people that are aligned with the same values and the same intentions for this field. So that's how we met as you reached out and said, I think Mm -hmm. maybe saw a post, right. And it was an open invitation. So yeah, I saw that you posted about it. And um, mm-hmm. so I think I just direct messaged you on Instagram and I was like, I would like to show up and let my story um, be out there as well, because I am relatively new to this whole, well, I'm, I'm not new to this field, but then I'm also new to this field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can tell us about that. You know, what you mean is that you went through a lot to get to where you are. Yeah. Tell us about that. So first, I mean, the first part of my story is um, I am an infertile person. Okay. So my husband and I had been trying for probably a year, year and a half um, before I went to my gynecologist. And I said, you know, I know my mom had some trouble getting pregnant because she had endometriosis. I have endometriosis. And, you know, I've been trying to have a baby for like a year, year and a half, like, you know, what, what kind of are the next steps? Like what, what can we do? And, um, so she gave me this really hilarious little chart and I had to go put X's on a calendar (laughs) and, um, that was Mm -hmm. super romantic, super fun. Um, so after we did that (laughs) for six months, um, uh, and charted everything, uh, she, uh, she said, okay, we're going to start uh, medicated cycles. So then we did 
oh my gosh, like four or five months of medicated cycles. Um, and, um, and of course, like that didn't really lead to anything either. Um, so at that point, she decided to refer us over to a fertility clinic. Um, and, um, you know, so we went through the whole battery of tests. Um, and what it came down to is uh, that we were going to do IVF. Uh, so I had an egg retrieval um, and it was very successful. Um, and we and we're very, very fortunate to have like just on our first IVF try, have such a successful, um, you know, cycle. And so we were really super thrilled. We transferred, um, two embryos, uh, fresh, um, after that IVF cycle. And I got pregnant for the first time ever. And it was uh, like, it was unbelievable. So that, that, pro that whole process was, um, you know, from the time we started trying to when I first got pregnant was about five years. And, um, mm. and, you know, we, I went in with my husband for the first, um, you know, ultrasound appointment. Cause you do, um, you do blood work on, I think it was like day five and day seven. And then you go in for your first ultrasound and then you go in for your second ultrasound and then you graduate from your, your clinic. And then you can go to see like a, a, an OB, like a real doctor for pregnancy. <laughs> um, and, um, mm -hmm. and so we went in together for the first ultrasound. And so the number, the blood numbers were great. We went in together for the first ultrasound. It was great. And so, I mean, it was just, I was just like, yes, like IVF solved our problem. Like we just, you know, we just could never make our egg and sperm meet inside my body. But as soon as we created it outside of my body and then put it back in my body, for some reason it worked, uh, you know, bodies are weird. Mm -hmm. Bodies are weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I, uh, you know, the morning of our like second graduation ultrasound, I sent my husband off to work, and I went in for that ultrasound, and um, you know, they got that look in their faces and asked, you know, said I should probably call my husband because there was no heartbeat on the baby, the baby that we had just mm. saw. Sorry, just seen two weeks earlier with yeah. a strong heartbeat and and it was here we oh were like gosh. this huge hurdle that took us you know five years to overcome like getting pregnant took us that long to overcome I didn't know that there would be a, I didn't I didn't think about that there would be another hurdle after that um so it was I mean it was yeah. it was like devastating it was um it was mm -hmm. one of the, the scariest things and the most traumatic things I've ever been through. Um, I had to have a DNC because um, my body didn't like want to let go. Um, so it's, uh, that was, that was just, I mean, it was just such a shock. It was, traumatic. yeah. And, mm -hmm. and the thing is, is I think at the time, uh, the best way I thought to handle it was to get my, get my period back and then, instantly transfer again. Like, yeah. And, and I, mm -hmm. I don't remember my doctor ever like questioning that, but I feel like they probably should have, like, I might, I might've benefited from like, like a small amount of break, but like at that, I mean, at that point you just for five years of infertility, I mean, you, you want a baby, like you, mm -hmm. you want a baby. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. So the second my cycle came back, um, we were, we transferred two more embryos and, um, and I got pregnant and, um, and that, that baby is now six years old. Um, wow. and, um, <laughs> so that was, I mean, it was incredible. And, and, 
Um, and I had, been you know, it was a great, it was fine pregnancy, great birth. Um, and, uh, yeah. So when she was, I guess we stopped, we never used birth control after she was born. Cause at that point we were like, Oh, we're infertile. Like if we have an accident, baby, it's free. Um, so, we were, uh, you know, we were of course not that lucky to have an accident baby. So by the time she was, uh, I think almost two, we were sort of talking about, um, using embryos to have, uh, have a sibling for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this time I really wanted it to be different. So I, I was really quiet through my infertility process. Um, I mean, maybe not with my close friends and family, but like, I never spoke about it online. Like I never spoke about it kind of publicly. Um, but uh, I mean, after she was born, I like talked about how she was a rainbow baby. I actually got a tattoo, um, Mm. for, for the baby that I miscarried. Um, so after she was there, after she was real, it was really easy to talk about, but there was at the time, I mean, this is, you know, now what is that 11 years ago? Oh my gosh. Wow. As when we started that journey, like it just wasn't talked about the way that it's talked about now. Um, Mm -hmm. the way that, that, um, yeah, it just, even, and even knowing that my, my parents also had a hard time having me, like, um, it still, it still was something that, yeah, again, I shared with, with my, like my family knew and like my relatives knew that I was going through IVF and like all our close friends did. But, um, but yeah, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't make Facebook posts about it. I really decided that for the sibling, that would be different because I wanted people to know what the experience was like. I wanted people to know, um, you know, all these people that I see posting gender reveals and baby showers and, you know, having, you know, three to four children, you know, all these, these, you know, people who who sort of, I don't want to say like got a head start of me, but, you know, like, you know, while I was those five years trying to get pregnant, like lots of people were having babies, you know, like, um, so I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I wanted to share with all those people, like, look, there's, and not just those people, but like everyone, there's another story. There's another side to this. There's another story of how like babies come around, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just wanted to de-stigm- destigmatize the, the science, the, yeah. you know, behind yeah. the, the shame of the infertility, like, cause it, it wasn't something that I felt shame about. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. it was something that like, I was so grateful to science that it gave us you know, these embryos that we could use. With all that said, I decided for, um, for making a sibling, I wanted to essentially share like the entire process. So I did Facebook lives going to the clinic. I, you know, photographed me giving myself shots. I, you know, I like talked about how the process worked and I did that. So we we used one embryo, we transferred one embryo. I, you know, I did the thing that you're not supposed to do where you tell people when you get a positive test, like mm-hmm. the day you get a positive test, like I told the internet, I mean, maybe probably the whole internet wasn't listening, but you know, um, <laughs> and you know, and when that test got lighter on day three and, you know, and the blood numbers were not high enough, I told all that too, you know, so I, I, um, I had a chemical pregnancy with that one. And then I went on to have another chemical pregnancy with the second transfer for a sibling. And then the third cycle we did for a sibling, um, and we did all natural transfers. Um, 
for for this this for the first and the second and the third was a was a natural cycle as well. Um, so the third one was the first time nothing happened. So at that point, I had done what is that like five cycles? So I had two, one with my miscarriage, one with my daughter, two other ones. So this was my fifth mm-hmm. cycle, and it was my first cycle where nothing happened. And because in all my other cycles, I had gotten pregnant. So it was, it was, it was really weird to be like, no, 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 wait, this is, this is how I get pregnant. This is, this is science is how I get pregnant. So how did I not get pregnant? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, yeah, that, a, makes sense. yeah, that was, that was actually a really hard one, even though I had just had two like early miscarriages with the other ones. And so I have to, I have to say also these cycles were back to back. So this is like, yeah. again, this is another like, where was my mental health counseling here? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. you know, so I had two early miscarriages in a row and then I had the cycle that nothing happened. And it was just like, and I, and then I still went for that fourth cycle. Um, and, uh, and, and I, and I got pregnant and, mm. um, and we graduated again. We had our, we had our two good blood draws. We had two good ultrasounds. And so I waited for that first midwife appointment. I actually got an appointment with the same midwife that delivered my daughter. And um, my husband and I did go together <laughs> this time. Um, but, um, you know, there was, there was a, and, and again, this was all like completely open and, and I was just completely honest with it online, this whole process. Um, I don't, I don't think I Facebook lived the, first midwife appointment, but I was planning to like, obviously write about it after I had gone through with it. And I think everyone knew that I was going to the midwife appointment that day. So there was a, a student midwife, um, there and she had the Doppler and she was just having kind of a hard time, um, with the Doppler. And I think I was, I think I was about 12 weeks at that point. So the, the midwife was like, Oh, well, you know, it's still sometimes can be difficult to find, you know, things with the Doppler, like, let me get out this ultrasound machine. So they have this, like, they have a very weird, like ancient technology ultrasound machine, <laughs> because at this point <laughs> I had seen so many ultrasounds, like transvaginal ultrasounds. Like I, I know what things look like, you know? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so they pulled it out and, and they really, they also like the, again, the student midwife just like, couldn't get a good view. Like couldn't get a, so they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to actually just walk you over because they have a, a bigger, a nicer ultrasound, ultrasound tech, walked me over there. Um, and she turned the screen away from me Mm. and I was like, Oh, that's, that's weird. Like, can I, you know, I can't see it. She's like, she's like, she's like, no, no, no. I need to send it to someone. And then they're going to read it, write a report and then send it to the midwife. And I was like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm getting a little nervous, but I'm not like trying not to, you know, panic and, Mm -hmm. um, and so my husband and I, so I get dressed and my husband and I go back into the room. And um, I mean, this this poor midwife, like I, I have to like, I don't know, at the time I was so angry with her um, because, well, sorry, after, after this fact, I was so angry because um, she walked into the room and she, she didn't tell me with words what had mm-hmm. happened because her face said it. Um, and I said, I have a, I have another dead baby. And she's like, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And so again, we had lost the heartbeat actually probably a week after 
that um, that graduation ultrasound. Um, the baby had not grown more than a week after that graduation ultrasound. So oh I had had, uh, again, my body just held on. And I think, yeah, I think I was like, maybe I was even uh, like 12 or 13 or 14 weeks that like, I know, and I hadn't had any cramping, hadn't had any bleeding, had had totally normal pregnancy symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it. That's it, why that's unbelievable. Yeah. It, yeah. So I had, I mean, understandably, I had, so I had another DNC, which mm-hmm. they accidentally left tissue. So then I had to have another. And oh um, it was, uh, it was a very complex um, kind of recovery. Uh, um, I also struggled um, with some major mental health issues. I, mm-hmm. um, I walked into emergency room and, and told them I was having suicidal thoughts. Like it was, it was oh, no. serious. Like it was, oh, my God. it was so scary. And mm-hmm. it, I, I, again, I shared and was open and honest in that mm-hmm. online because I thought people needed to hear this. People need, mm-hmm. needed to know what this, what this was like. Mm-hmm. But, um, so at the end of the day, so we had that, I had this, so I had this horrific loss. Like I had this horrific loss after four cycles. Um, and then um, mm. at that point we had two embryos left. And um, and so we had to make a decision. Um, and I, I decided that I just, after four cycles um, of, you know, chemical pregnancies and miscarriage that I, I needed to get a different clinic opinion. So we switched clinics and uh, so my reproductive endocrinologist was super interested mm-hmm. in finding out if I had some genetic predispositions for miscarriage. So she actually, um, and I was also seeing a naturopath mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. super supportive of that as well. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to take a 23andMe test so that um, we could run the like raw data through this software so they can like kind of see if I had any BRAC mutations that could possibly cause recurrent miscarriage. So they, they were just doing such due diligence to give me every shot I had mm-hmm. with these like remaining two embryos. And, um, and I, gosh, I like, yeah, I just so appreciate that. So, um, that's good. So when I got my 23andMe results back, mm-hmm. I did like the raw download data because that's, that was like the important part. That's why I did it is for the raw download data so that, that, um, the reproductive endocrinologist could use that to run it through her thing. And then my, my, um, naturopath was using it to run it through this other thing. And, um, so they were cross-checking and, and, but there were, mm-hmm. there were like a couple weird things that popped up when I had my 23andMe done, but I had my 23andMe done mm-hmm. because I was trying to get pregnant and I was going to do anything it took to get pregnant. So the, the weird stuff that popped up in 23andMe um, just ended up sort of getting like dismissed. Like it said, 23andMe told me I had a Jewish grandparent and I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't think I have a Jewish grandparent. Like, you know, that must be some sort of DNA error. Mm-hmm. And, um, or maybe like I have a great grandparent or something, who knows, but. Uh, so you were thinking it was an error, but then did that make you question whether it was going to work, what the information was going to help you find out what was going on with the baby? Uh, no, no, no. I didn't, I just questioned maybe their like algorithms were off, right? Like about like her- heritage, their heritage algorithms, maybe not their like, the science is, I believe in the got science. Got it, got the it. Science okay. Is good. But you know, maybe, maybe their like genetic heritage, um, maybe their genetic heritage, heritage algorithms were off, right? It's again, it was like, 
I wasn't thinking about, I didn't do 23andMe to figure out where I came from, like genetically. Like I didn't do it to figure out where my, my white ancestors came from. <laughs> um, I, I did it because I wanted to figure out why I kept miscarrying babies. So that's, that was the reason I did it. And um, yeah, so when that came up, it was, okay, that's weird. But I didn't, I don't, I didn't, I just didn't look into it that much. It just didn't seem like a thing that I needed to look into. Sure. You, um, were, you had but, other things on your mind, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had other things going on, but there was also a, a half sibling match at the time. And, um, so I'm an only child. So again, I thought like, oh, weird, this percentage is really low. Again, I guess we probably just have some DNA that matches, but it's a low percentage. This is like weird, but like, I'm sure it's just some error because I know I'm an only child and I know how much my parents struggled to have me and all this and that. And, um, so the, the, um, the, the match that I had, they actually messaged me. Um, so this is like the only, this is like really the only time I had, I, I only logged on to 23andMe like a couple times. And so, so they messaged me and said, you know, do you know if your biological father, if your, if your dad, um, donated sperm and, uh, they said that they were born, um, the year after me. So it's really, we were really close in, in age and, um, and they said that they were born in Southern California, which is also where I was born. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, Oh, that's a weird coincidence. Well, I'll ask my dad for you. (laughs) And so I called my dad and I was like, Hey dad, did you ever do sperm? And he's like, Nope, didn't donate sperm. And I was like, okay, thanks for telling me. And then Mm -hmm. I went back and I messaged that match and I was like, Oh, I'm really sorry. I can't help you, but my dad didn't donate sperm. Good luck in your search. Uh And I then proceeded to close 23andMe, and that was in 2016. Uh Um, And I would not open 23andMe again until July of 2020. So fast forward four years later, in July of 2020, B opens up 23andMe and finds out an entirely new story And you're going to have to wait until the next episode to find out what that is. I'm going to leave you hanging, but not for long. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow for more content, you can go to my Instagram and Facebook account at Jana Repnow LPC or follow Three Makes Baby on Instagram. You can get a copy of my book and the companion workbook to Three Makes Baby on Amazon. If you like this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. Have a great day.